and then make sure the experience is the same across the channel. That's a key, you know? So, I mean, you want to make sure that the content is really good, that the customer experience, the shipping, all of those, those kind of like retail fundamentals are, are being um, addressed. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I'm very excited to reintroduce Peter Kearns to you today. He is the VP of Business Development at 180 Commerce, and you are back for a second run at the Channel Mastery Podcast. Welcome, Peter. Hi, thank you. It's so nice to be back. And here we are just right before Black Friday. I I know this is a very busy time for you guys, so this is going to be a great show where we're going to provide a snapshot of what what's working with Amazon today for specialty brands, what brands can still improve on the platform, even though we're so close to the end of the year. There's always a way to improve what we're doing. But before we dive into the goods here today, can you share a little bit about your background and what 180 Com- Commerce accomplishes for its clients? Yeah, absolutely. So this is pretty exciting. I'm actually coming up on my eighth year anniversary of being in this Amazon marketplace space. My, my first day was with Amazon on Cyber Monday back in 2011. So, so I know we're pretty close to that date, come up here in a couple of days. So it's pretty exciting. I've been working in this Amazon space, the marketplace space for eight years, four years with Amazon on the seller services side, spending time in the consumables or I ran the consumables team, and then also spent time on the hardline team, so sports and outdoors, where we're working with brands and retailers, launching them onto the Amazon Marketplace platform via Seller Central, and then strategizing with those brands and retailers to drive success as quickly as possible. I did that for about four years. And then uh, I heard someone say the other day that, you know, some time in Amazon is similar to kind of like working at the government where you go into the private sector afterwards. So I started then after I was with Amazon, I moved to Missoula, Montana. So my wife and I can raise our family here. And I've been working with brands since on their Amazon strategy and have been with 180 Commerce for a few years now where we are a complete Amazon service provider in terms of brand management and strategy, both on the seller central side and the vendor central side. So we really pull all the levers, if you will, to drive the right outputs for brands on Amazon. And I love that. So levers really are channels in in the way that our parlance here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In terms of your four pillar, like your four pillar approach is what I mean. And we'll get into that. Okay. Sounds perfect. 
Yeah. And so I guess, you know, just so everybody knows, what I was referring to in terms of channels is the Peter has a four-pillar approach that he really thinks, I wouldn't say it's a formula because every specialty brand is different and we're all in a different place in the gap jump, the ongoing gap jump <laughs> that is, you know, a multi-channel marketing and selling strategy. But your pillars include direct-to-consumer website strategy, so a brand's direct-to-consumer website, a social media strategy, and then uh, Amazon. Yep, a standalone Amazon strategy. And that can include not selling on Amazon. So, it, But it's clearly a brand today has to have a strategy, period. Right, and then a, a beyond Amazon, a retail strategy, right? So those are the four. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay, great. Exactly. Okay, and then um, really what this is about and where, where Peter and I wanted to, get, to really start from today is this is, as always, on Channel Mastery, it's all about the end consumer, engaging them, studying their online consumer decision journey, their shopping behavior. So let's start by having you bring a couple trends to the conversation to kind of um, educate the Channel Mastery audience on some of the key consumer trends you're seeing out there. Yeah. So when you go back to that four-pillar approach, and the first thing you mentioned was that direct-to-consumer website. So I think that it's safe to say that consumers are getting more and more comfortable with shopping direct with brands. You're seeing growth, you know, like bigger brands, Nike and Lululemon side, but then also the e-commerce platform Shopify reported that they had, you know, 45% growth uh, last quarter um, and have reached uh, more than a million users. And there's a a lot of those direct-to-consumer brands that are using Shopify as their website shopping tool. And so you're seeing this, like, I don't want to say like a full-on shift because Amazon continues to be really strong, but the infrastructure is there now where consumers want products within two days, which, you know, Amazon trained them with Prime in many ways. And 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 now most brands, most retailers are on their direct consumer site have caught up. And so if you order a product, you're going to get it in two days. And so I think that that one pillar is really important and you're seeing that kind of consumer behavior embrace it. Right. And that's been one of the main drivers, in your opinion, for that 45% growth is that they have caught up with the, quotes table stakes of that two-day. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not saying that Amazon isn't a go-to because it certainly is. There's some studies uh, that came out earlier this year that, that, that really underline that message. But I do think that having that strong direct-to-consumer site, that really good experience is vital. And I think that customers are confident and with that. Right. They almost feel like they're they're at like a, like in what we do in public relations, when when a brand has a really solid newsroom, if you will, on their website, there might be some sort of a crisis going on. The consumer often will go to the brand's website to, to find out like what the quote real story is, right? And I have a feeling that there's a, there's a trust um, established with that as well in terms of buying from a brand. But I also think there's got to be something to be said about a brand being able to provide a branded experience through selling online from its own website. Do you think that's important as well? I do. I think that, that that customer experience and journey and connecting with the brand, I mean, let's be honest, no one can tell a brand story better than their own brand. 
So right. I think, you know, so that the brand has the ability to connect with that consumer. And I think one of the things that Amazon was able to do so successfully and, and quickly and why they were so successful was that they were able to, to nail this fulfillment aspect of it. Whereas e-commerce, you know, 10 years ago was still a little like, hey, am I going to get it when I'm supposed to get it? And then Amazon came out with like, hey, we're going to get it to you in two days. We guarantee it. And then so that's now the norm. And so all of these other direct-to-consumer brands, you know, all of these specialty brands, they've basically caught up. And so that customer angst has been removed and that trust is there. So you know, like, okay, hey, I'm going to get it. I place an order and, you know, within a couple of minutes, I get a confirmation. And then within, you know, 24 hours, I've gotten another email that says, hey, your product has been shipped. Here's your tracking. It's going to be here on Wednesday. So I, I definitely think that that has been solved and, and consumers are embracing that. But there's still significant growth happening on Amazon. And, and I think that that's one area that can't be ignored. So let's talk about that with your, you you and I mentioned in our rehearsal call that we had, you had cited a mid-year 2019 study from a service provider. Can you talk a little bit more about that, the trends that you found in that, in that study? Yeah, it was pretty interesting because that study said that when customers are ready to make a purchase, 74% of them go to Amazon first. So that's pretty telling that, hey, I'm ready to buy cross-country skis, I'm ready to buy a you know, Gore-Tex rain jacket, I'm ready to buy you know, fleece jacket, something along those lines, you know, hat, mittens, whatever it might be, 74% of them go to Amazon first. Then the next segment, 10% go to a search engine, and then after that, 5% go to a brand-specific website. So I think that that's really interesting to see how strong Amazon has become in terms of a search engine for products, for shopping. Right. You had also mentioned to me, and I'm glad that you actually brought this up, and I, I thought it would be good for us to share with the audience because I've cited this several times and I haven't been able to find a more recent, I guess, set of data that really kind of talks about this. But I think it was even last year at this time when I had interviewed you for the Snow Sports Industries of America show in January of 2019, you had mentioned that over half of, you know, consumers, like, I'm sorry, product searches are starting on Amazon. I haven't been able to find an update to that stat. And you're, I think you have an explanation for why. Yeah. So a former colleague of mine who uh, works at Amazon with me said that, that he saw that when he was at Amazon, the latest number was 52% of product searches started on Amazon. So they passed Google basically or other search engines. And then he had, he had alluded to that once that number had hit past 50, they, they stopped making it public. And I, I'm not entirely sure why, but, um, you know, it was so such a strong, powerful number. And I, I don't know if it, maybe it's because Amazon's now not just a, a shopping platform, but it's also become a search engine. Right. So that, that's kind of what his explanation for it was. Because I had asked the same thing. I was like, hey, is there a recent number for this? And he said no. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. All we know is that it's huge. <laughs> There's 100 million Prime members in the U.S. Right. And people love their Prime membership. So again, 
we have to remember two things as we always do here on the podcast. The consumer does not see any of these channels or pillars, right? All they see is they have something in their mind, they have a brand that they identify with and they hop online to research. And then when they're ready to buy, now we know as of mid-year this year, 74% of them go to Amazon. My guess is that they probably do that because they have the, you know, their credit card information in there, they trust it, they know they're going to get the product. So like, boom, they go over there first. Maybe they're not sure they still want to compare. They're still going to a search engine. And then if a brand does an exceptional job, like enabling them to fall in love with them, they want to support the brand directly. 5% go there. Yep. Yeah. That's basically how I interpret it. Right. That's super interesting. So let's talk about your four pillar approach. And again, here we are in November of 2019. There may be a A lot of listeners who are like, gosh, really, there's still stuff I can do between now and the end of the year. I mean, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is literally right around the corner. But let's, you know, stay with us, guys. We're going to go over these four pillars, and there will be some, I think, some takeaways and actionable strategies you can do that will create additional sales and lift on all of these channels, but primarily on Amazon. So let's let's start by talking about the direct-to-consumer brand website strategy. Yeah. So real quick, I call them pillars because I really think that this is what a brand needs to have to stand on with today's digital fragmented brick and mortar e-commerce economy or uh, industry. That first pillar is having your own really strong direct-to-consumer website, which specialty, you know, I think that they've got a, a lot of specialty brands have figured out, you know, having really rich content, telling your brand story, why your brand is you know, what it does differently and how it's, how it stands out from, from the competition. That is really important. It will continue to be really important, especially as, you know, some of these other channels, you know, like Amazon continue to invest in their own private label brand. So that direct to consumer website, you own everything there. You have the consumer data, you know, what your lifetime value is, is your consumers, you know, what your cost of acquisition is. You know, you know how your consumers are interacting, what they, you know, what they abandon in their cart. I mean, you have all of the data that you would want. And Mm -hmm. so it's so, so important to have that. With the direct-to-consumer website strategy, everything that we're talking about here in the four pillars, again, think about it from the end consumer's viewpoint and think about the consistency too, right? I mean, this is the hub for the brand. This is where the emotional connection potential is, is that website. Um, the next pillar comes off of that website, which is social media. Totally. Social media is really important because that's how you can, you can drive awareness for your product. You can drive awareness for promotions. There's also e-commerce that's coming it's there in, in um, Instagram, so they're getting really, you know, they're testing out new things. There's now, you know, it's kind of clunky still, but you can buy through Instagram. I think that there's only a matter of time when they have a built-in quick buy it now button on Instagram. So that's really important. And it also gives you as a, it gives you the ability to kind of like inject energy into your brand's flywheel. So you have your direct consumer, you have you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on Instagram and Facebook and the other social. And then if you want to run a promotion and drive them to either back to your website or say you wanted to drive them to another channel, you know, like Amazon or Backcountry or REI, 
you can inject that energy and direct it to where you want it to go. And that's really important to help fuel that consumer, that shopping flywheel, if you will, for your brand. I agree. The only caveat there is it's as here we are in fourth quarter of 2019 and we're literally seeing that brands have to, they probably did not budget at their traditional budgeting time. So fall of 2018 for, for this entire year and think about this for next year, everybody, but they, they need to actually set aside budget to create paid traffic on social media today. There's very little organic opportunity with the exception of like creating your own video, et cetera. And I know that shoppable Instagram has a little bit of organic reach opportunity. We are going to be doing a show on that in a couple weeks here, just so everybody kind of gets caught up on that. But, but the whole point of this is like social media is incredibly important for repurposing content and getting the word out on sales. And obviously, uh, you know, with what we do at Verde, when you are able to obtain public relations or media relations success or result, it needs to be socialized strongly. And it's not a set and forget either. You have to be putting content out there, making sure you're jockeying it, and then looking at the analytics on your website to make sure that what you're doing is actually driving traffic back there. So again, it's not set and forget. There's a jockeying component to it. And there's something that I think can be said for making sure you're checking it on a daily basis at this time of year, because it's so important to make hay while the sun shines while consumer intent is there. 100%. Yeah, and then when we go into Amazon, obviously this is your specialization, but I think it's fair to say that all of these pillars, when you are like really doing a great job with all of them, that it creates lift for all these channels. But talk about Amazon specifically. Yeah, so the brands that are seeing success on Amazon are seeing success in these other areas as well. They're embracing their direct consumer. They're embracing their social and these other areas. And, and then their Amazon business, it all fuels into that flywheel where it just continues to move faster and faster. So with Amazon, when you start to think about what it is, it's a searching shopping search engine, and it's also a shopping platform. So the brands that are doing it well on Amazon, they're, they're taking a very similar approach in that they're treating Amazon standalone and that they're saying, okay, let's make sure that our content is the same, uh, you know, as good as our direct consumer. Let's make sure our messaging on there is as good as our social channels. And so, and, and then they're saying, let's make sure that all the other retail readiness, you know, that the, those fundamentals are in place so that the consumer, if they are going to purchase their products on Amazon, they're going to get what they expected and then it's going to be a good experience. Right. So it's, I think it's also about building trust across the four pillars through consistency. Right. Absolutely. And if you're doing it correctly, ideally the experience is going to be the same. You know, you're going to go to your website. You're going to say, they're going to go to the website and say, okay, here's this particular product. Here's how much it costs. It's in stock. Okay, well, you know what? I'm a Prime user and I prefer to buy things on Amazon Prime. I want to buy this. So, okay, let me go to Amazon. Oh, here's the exact same product. The detail page information matches. The price is the same. So I feel confident that I'm going to get it on Amazon and that it's going to be the same. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, you're looking at it from this perspective of you need to apply these strategies specifically to Amazon as well. 
Right. Well, and then, you know, on that friend, I'd like to touch on other retail before we do more of a deep dive on some things that you can do to caretake Amazon at this time of this incredibly important time of year. So looking at the retail strategy, obviously this is brick and mortar and online retail partners that a brand has. I think that I'd love to get your take on on what you see as the importance for specialty brands for what I guess we call taction, like the touch and feel and the importance of that. Is that kind of what, you, what you're thinking in terms of like enabling an end consumer to have that part of a brand experience too? Because in our world, obviously, we have some product that I think warrants that, whether it's a high-end bike or ski setup, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's important to look at you definitely can and should have a segmentation strategy if it makes sense for your brand and your consumer experience. So you don't necessarily have to have your entire catalog on Amazon and you certainly don't have to have your entire catalog in local brick and mortar stores or on specialty websites. But I think it's important that you have a strong distribution strategy with those retailers So that if that segmentation strategy is something that you are going down, that you ensure that where those products are intended to be sold, they don't find their way onto Amazon. And that's, I think, one of the things that some people say, like, hey, you can't, like, segmentation strategies don't work anymore. And I I think that if they're not controlled, then it becomes, it can be problematic because those products, Amazon is all about supply and demand. So if you've got a great product that's only available on another website or it's only available at certain brick and mortar stores, those stores are going to, maybe not those stores or people are going to find them and, you know, maybe they have a Black Friday coupon and then they end up putting them on Amazon or something like that, you know, like retail arbitrage. So I think having that strategy, that distribution strategy in place, locked down tight is really important if you're going to pursue any kind of segmentation strategy. And then I think it's important to recognize that the customer profiles on those sites they're not exactly the same. So customers at REI uh, or backcountry might be very different than the customers who are wanting to buy things on Amazon or a specialty website, you know, that's in conjunction with a a high-end specialty retail store. So look at the products, get a, a strong POV perspective, use the data to determine which products should be in which stores and, and those reasons why, and then make sure the experience is the same across the channel. That's, that's a key, you know? So, I mean, you want to make sure that the content is really good, that the customer experience, the shipping, all of those, those kind of like retail fundamentals are, are being um, addressed. And may I ask, like you, you mentioned that a different consumer type, or I guess intent that maybe a different type of intent from a, the shared consumer is more present on Amazon. Is it safe to say it's a discount or is it more, I know I can get this safely and more quickly from Amazon? Like, what do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, Amazon, part of their flywheel strategy was to drive down prices because at lower price creates a better customer experience. Customers then continue to buy things, which then would attract more sellers which then more sellers would drive more competition, which would drive down price. So it fueled Amazon's flywheel. So having a low price is really, really important to them. And that was one of the things that I think, I think helped Amazon propel their success so quickly, you know, about 10 years ago, was specifically because, hey, I could go on Amazon and find it for a lower price. And I mean, I don't know if you remember 
I think it might have been six or seven years ago where they're like, hey, they ran a promotion, like go in and scan it. And if you find it for a lower price, we'll match it and give you five dollars. So, right. you know, there was a lot of lot of kind of customer training, if you will, in terms of, hey, we're going to have the lowest price and it kind of paid off. And so I think now consumers are definitely going there looking for a good deal. Right. But at the same time, what you're saying is that we have to make sure the pricing is the same across all four of these pillars. I think it's really important. And if you have a strong distribution strategy and map policy, then you should be fine. But if you mm-hmm. don't, then that's where things are going to, that's where things are going to become a problem. Right. That's what we need to shore up. It, absolutely. But then there's the opposite where you're seeing some brands who have a, hey, we don't want to be on Amazon, but there's so, so much demand that, you know, creative kinds of sellers who are out there finding inventory of particular brands that have that high demand, they're able to sell them on Amazon for, you know, sometimes a hundred, maybe more than, uh, you know, than what their regular price is which That's, brands don't want that either. No, absolutely not. And that is such an interesting phenomenon. It's like they want to buy from Amazon so badly that they'll actually pay more for the product there. <laughs> is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, that's exactly what, what you're hearing me say. And there was a study that came out in, I want to say either the fall of 2015 or the spring of 2016 that, that said that basically confirmed that very few customers are actually comparison shopping online that they find their, their platform that they want to support or that they feel the most confident with and they just continue to buy through it. Right. Interesting. I do have to say I, I fall a little bit guilty there because with my kids specifically, and I have teenagers, and they'll ask me to buy things from websites I've never heard from before that maybe they learned about from a YouTube creator. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to put my credit card information in there. Right. If it's on Amazon, we'll buy it on Amazon. And so they, you know, they will acquiesce because they're like, okay, it's what I want. You know, it doesn't matter where she buys it. But at the same time, like, it's just interesting. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. I wouldn't say I'd pay more, but I definitely trust Amazon more than I trust some of these sites that they come up with. (laughs) I believe it. Yeah. Okay, so cool. What else, other than making sure you have a really strong segmentation strategy, you also mentioned in our rehearsal call that inventory is a huge concern. And it is a really big concern, especially at this time of year. Sure. Yeah. So I think it, I think this comes back to, you know, that fourth pillar is really having that strong Amazon strategy. And, you know, retail readiness is all, is all about making sure that you've got your products in stock, that you have you know, the content, everything dialed in. And so really making sure that if you're, if you're on Amazon, that your inventory is, is optimized, you're using FBA, if that makes the most sense, uh, you know, from a profitability and size and weight perspective, because um, it's going to be the most powerful tool for, on Amazon if you're selling on Amazon. So optimizing that inventory, making sure that you're not going to run out of stock. And then if you, and then, but doing it also for your direct consumer site. So making sure that you're not going to run out of stock there. And if you are going to run out of stock, you try to figure out how you can back stock against that. That's actually a really important point because in our world, the like more traditional wholesalers have been prioritized. And when they're not, when they don't have the ability to restock, but there is product on a web brand's website 
you know, storefront as well as Amazon, that causes a lot of problems. Do you have any tips around how you've seen businesses do this successfully? So if you're running out on Amazon, the challenge with that is Prime is incredibly powerful. And if you're going to run out of stock and it's not going to be in FBA, you can always turn it back to Merchant Fulfilled. Hopefully, you know, you have the ability to get it to the consumer um, before, you know, those key holiday shopping dates. So that's one thing. I think we're early enough now that you could probably get one more shipment in if you hustled and got the shipment out the door. And so I would be looking at how your inventory has been how your unit velocity has been performing over the last, you know, six weeks. But I'd also take a look at how, if you're already selling on Amazon, how your um, performance was on Prime Day. And if you ran out of stock, I would start calculating um, those kinds of numbers from those events and saying, okay, here's what I think our unit run rate is and get a shipment out the door. You probably, if you do LTL, shipments, it might take longer. So if you wanted to try to squeeze it in before, you know, that big Christmas peak, you could do um, small parcel, which basically it's on the back of, uh, you know, they're using UPS. So there still is some time to get some inventory into FBA, unless there's major delays. But I mean, you got to move quick and get it done like ASAP. So that's something you can take a look at. Another thing that I have seen is I've seen direct-to-consumer brands that have under allocated inventory for their own website, but they had inventory at Amazon. So they actually flipped the switch on their website to direct, to, to direct traffic to their Amazon listings so that they could still get the sale um, and direct them. Because the last thing they want is somebody who's saying like, oh, I'm going to my direct-to-consumer website. Oh, shoot, it's out of stock. I guess I'll maybe go to a competitor or you can say, hey, we still have inventory at Amazon. Click here to go buy it. So that's one thing that I've seen some direct-to-consumers do. The other thing that I've seen, or direct-to-consumer websites do, the other thing that I've seen is if the direct-to-consumer website realizes like, hey, you know what, we're not as good at fulfilling closer to those key holidays, they'll switch their direct-to-consumer website to their Amazon because they know Amazon FBA will fulfill it faster and better than they can through their own. Some interesting tips about that, but having those kinds of backup strategies for if and when you run into some of those challenging inventory scenarios. Right. Those are great. I'm assuming, big assumption here, that they can find out more information on that at 180commerce.com. Sure. Anybody has questions, they can email me um, at any time. And I'll put Peter's um, contact information in the show notes, everybody. So, um, And keep in mind, you're probably pretty busy as well, like now that we're in the thick of it on holiday season, but that's very gracious of you to ask or to offer rather. Let's switch gears on Amazon and talk about, as we know, with consumer intent, we have 74% going to Amazon when they're ready to make a purchase. How can um, our specialty brands garner more attention from that consumer on the, on the Amazon platform? The thing that's interesting is that there's a lot of talk out there about being on Amazon and not being on Amazon, you know, and, and some brands are like, no, we don't want to be on Amazon, but their products are on Amazon anyway. They have unauthorized resellers. So I'm having more conversations with brands who are saying, you know what, we're trying to, to clean up our reseller issues. It's a bit of a challenge, but we, we want to shore up our experience. So yes, we, we're working on getting our retail, our resellers uh, under control and getting that cleaned up. In the meantime, 
how do we clean up our content so that we have a brand store that looks and feels the same as our website? We have detail pages that look and feel the same as our website. So a lot of brands are going down that path, trying to make sure that the content is as good as you know their own website. Um, and that's really important because that consumer journey it, it, it's really, you know, if you if, if consumers are going to Amazon as much as these studies are saying they are, and the the experience when they get there is is you know bad or fractured or you know all that does is it opens the door for your competitors to you know capitalize on those missed opportunities either by advertising against you or you know, um, targeting their products, you know, in a better way where they go to your consumer may go to your detail page, missing information. So they decide, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go back to the search engine results and I'm going to click on the one that was next to it instead. So it's really important that that consumer experience, that journey is as good as your, as, as those websites and social media. And that's what a lot of brands are doing. And there's still time to take a hard look at your content and make the updates between now and, you know, through the rest of the quarter. Right, because we do not set and forget in this community. Yep, you can't. It <laughs> can't be a set and forget kind of mentality. Let's talk about promotions and coupons. Like, what do you have to say around that in terms of a specialty brand driving conversion on Amazon? Yeah, so I think the thing is, if you have a pricing strategy that you're trying to emulate everywhere in all channels, then pricing promotions may not necessarily be the right thing on Amazon, but if you are, each product has its, has a different scenario. So if you're launching a product on Amazon, using those coupons can be really, really helpful because Amazon's search algorithms are really looking for products that consumers interact with and then ultimately purchase. And so if you're looking at those types of products, or if you're looking at that type of strategy um, where you're launching a new product, having some sort of promotion to help drive the conversion is key. One of those is coupons or a, you know, buy one and, you know, buy one and get one at a discount. So one having those types of promotions is really important. I think it's also important to recognize that when we get closer to these key holidays, you know, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, consumers are looking for a deal. And so the thing that's nice about these promotions is they don't have to be approved, pre-approved by Amazon. So it's too late to do, you know, a d- daily deal or a, uh, a buy box. Uh, oh man, my, blank, my mind is blanking. It's too late to have like Cyber Monday and Black Friday promotions on those pages approved. Those were had to be done in September. But it's not too late to have promotions in place where if a consumer is going, they can see like, oh, hey, look, this is now 10% off. Or there's also a 10% coupon that I can set for it. So looking at those sorts of opportunities now is really a good idea. Okay. That's awesome. Um, And then before we wrap up here, you had a little bit of good news, I thought, and that was that, and I wanted to share this with the community here, but it's about marketplace only brands, because I think this is something that we've seen as consumers, as we're shopping on Amazon ourselves, we're seeing Amazon insert its, its own marketplace only brands like right there in front of us as we're contemplating purchases from our favorite brands on the platform. What's your take on that in terms of the kind of the state of marketplace only brands on Amazon today as my specialty audience would be, you know, wanting to hear? Yeah. So it goes back to kind of the beginning of our conversation around those pillars, having that direct to consumer website and that social media. The thing that is so 
good about you as a specialty brand is your specialty and you have the ability to, you've created these great products, you've created this great customer experience and, and you've connected with these consumers. Amazon doesn't necessarily do that very well. So there are a lot of marketplace only brands that are popping up on Amazon, but very few of them have a standalone website that has a standalone social media that has the ability to connect with the consumer in the way that these brands do. And that's the thing that I think is so strong. And that's why I come back to those pillars. Like if you have these pillars, you know, and they're propped up and they're built up in a good, strong, solid cement foundation, you're going to be okay. And what I'm seeing is that what a lot of these marketplace only brands have, now there's two things to think about, or there's, there's a few you know, there's a good, you need to look at these marketplace only brands because they're not created equal. There's those brands that are selling to the marketplace that they're their own company and they, they have the ability to go out and control their own destiny by creating a direct consumer website or creating social media. Oftentimes they're not that good. They're more specific around being successful on Amazon. Then you have Amazon only brands where they, again, what they really have at their advantage is placement and opportunities for merchandising and social or I mean sponsored uh, products on Amazon. So that's one of those things where why they can, they can get to that spot. They may not necessarily be able to convert in the sense of like, okay, well, I'm looking for a, a specific, you know, Merino wool ski sweater and I want this particular brand. Well, they may be able to serve their product right next to yours, but I'm committed to the brand because that's the brand that I want because I know the story behind the brand. I know the story behind the wool. You know, it was sourced responsibly, all of those things. And so while we're seeing a lot of them pop up, I don't necessarily know if they're really resonating with consumers yet. Yep, agreed. That is great news. And I think it just speaks to what we're great at as in specialty, both on the brand and retail side, which is providing that emotional connection and that really special experience to our target consumers. So that's great to hear. And I think it's just, it's a proof point behind what we've been <laughs> thinking is the right approach. And it's just nice to know that an algorithm can't just jump right in and replace that, isn't it? I like that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they were really, really good at it, they would have figured out how to solve for it already. Right. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Peter. Is there anything that I might have forgotten to share with the Channel Mastery audience around just kind of any kind of last minute tune up for 2019 on Amazon? Yeah, one thing I would, I would, this just kind of came out last week or a few weeks ago now, since this is probably a couple weeks later, but Amazon recently updated their reviews and they changed it from reviews to ratings. So if you look on your product detail pages, it now will show instead of it having like five star reviews, the word it's it's shifted to ratings. And so I think the thing that's interesting about that is that consumers now have the ability to just rate a product. So I can go into my purchases and click five stars and not have to leave a review. And that's going to show up in that that ratings place. And so the reason why I mentioned this is that if you're doing any kind of um, you know post purchase email, you know, asking the, the, the consumer to write a review, you may want to go back and look at that language in those emails and say, hey, and change it to, hey, take a second to just rate our product. That is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like that. I think it's great, especially for smaller direct-to-consumer brands that aren't as well established yet, because it literally only takes a couple seconds to go in and give a rating. Huh. That's super interesting. It's something that I'd like to dig more into. And I think giving this a little bit of time, maybe revisiting this with you in January when we're we're going to be creating some uh, more resources around the SIA Outdoor Retailer Industry Intelligence Day 2020. Peter's going to be part of that. Maybe you can speak to how that fared through the holiday season, because obviously this is just coming online and it comes in the wake of Instagram slowly changing how people can... Um, respond and rate to the content that they're seeing there. So I feel like there's got to be some kind of a connection with the change on Instagram and the shoppable Instagram as and this. So really, really interesting development. I appreciate you bringing that to light. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, that's great. And again, everybody stay tuned. Probably in uh, early January, we're going to be back on Channel Mastery Together, Peter and I outlining some things to get you ready for what we're going to be providing at the end of January in person at the Snow Sports Industries of America and Outdoor Retailer Trade Show up in Denver. So thank you again for uh, your future contributions on that, Peter. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. Thanks. It's a lot of fun. And again, tell my awesome audience where they can learn more about what you do at 180 Commerce. Yeah, so you can go to our website, 180commerce180commerce.com, or you can email me. Is it all right for me to just put my email yeah. here? I don't know. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can just e- yeah, you can just email me at PK, the letter P, the letter K, at 180commerce. That is a brave man right there. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I know. But it's all good. It's very gracious of you. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I decided to, you know, kind of go down this path after leaving Amazon is I saw that there was a lot of opportunity to help brands kind of untangle or decode what's going on behind the scenes. So that's really what we've been trying to do here. Thank you. And that's exactly what my audience tunes in for. So I appreciate that. And thank you for all you do there. And we will catch you next time. That sounds great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advance notice of new Channel Mastery trainings and offerings like our brand new digital resource and membership that's opening up in Q3 2019. Thanks for listening and see you next week.